Welcome into episode 49 of the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Glad that you are along for the ride. Today's episode is going to be a little different. I'll explain that in a minute. Thanks everyone who's gotten along for the ride. This is the first episode of the new year. I was hoping it would be 50, but I couldn't figure out how to do the math on it. Thanks everyone who's been listening to the Bears podcast. They've done really, really well. Very pleased with what they've become. Outstanding stuff. And I'm glad that people are going back and listening to some of the great interviews that have been done on the podcast in the past. It's cool. It's been a good year, and I'm excited about where the podcast goes from here. I've got some ideas for 2019 and House of L expanding a little bit that I'm really, really excited about. We finished the year with 185,000 downloads, so thank you for listening and sharing. Remember, retweets are better than likes. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. You think I'm kidding, but I'm totally doing that with the House of L emblem, and then I'll sell them and see if you want them. But I thought it would be about 100,000. That was the goal that we were shooting for in the first six months. We made it to 185, and now I'm wondering, should I shoot for 400,000 downloads for the end of 2019? I hope so. I'm really excited about some of the people that I have on my hit list for 2019 for me to sit down and talk to business with. This episode is a little different because it's two in one. There were two conversations that I had. One happened on the air that I thought was really relevant and I wanted to share it. And the other one happened in the score hallways. Laura Oakman was on my show and we ended up having an incredible conversation about the business of sports broadcasting. And, you know, that's kind of the purview of the podcast overall. So I wanted to share my conversation with her. The other part, now that it's official, my buddy Rami Makloof, who host or hosted up at the fan in Milwaukee. I do his show. He do my show. I go up there. He come down here. I wanted to have him on to talk about something that we don't talk about a lot, which is moving and moving markets and changing markets. And he's doing that. It, our interview is short, but he's leaving Milwaukee and he's going to Minneapolis. So we ended up spending a lot of time talking about that. So I wanted to share both interviews and since the Rami interview is short and the Laura interview is kind of medium. I figured I'd put them together and it would make one good episode from two totally different perspectives. So I'm going to start with my man, Rami. I love Rami. He's so genuine and great. And he's a dude that grew up listening to the me and Z show and was like, if those two idiots can do it, so can I. And he has become an incredible success. So I wanted you to hear what he had to say about working in Milwaukee and being a Bulls fan, a Bears fan, a Cubs fan in Milwaukee and what that was like. And now this new adventure that he's getting ready to go on up in Minneapolis. This is from earlier last week, Rami Makloof. Everything's public now, right? Yes. So I don't don't have to worry about hurting anyone's feelings or anything. Nope, nope, nope. Am Um, I still going to be welcome in Milwaukee? Yeah. Hell yeah, man. They love you. They love you on the big show, dude, for real. I enjoy going up there. I, You know what's weird about that place? What's I, that? I was talking to folks about it. I actually think you guys have what I call some old score vibe yeah. going on yeah. up there. No, I get what you exactly what you're saying. You know, It felt like when I was there, I felt like I was in the bunker right. on Belmont. Right. <laughs> and I just like everyone was kind of all in it together. Yep. And I really liked that. It was it was strange. Like I, I told Mitch, I said... Got some old score thing 
going on. And there. when I when I got there, Sparky, who's one of my co-hosts, he's the assistant program director. One of the things he told me, and this is when I knew I was going to fit in, having grown up listening to the score, he said, we're kind of trying to do what they did at the score down in Chicago. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. He got like, it right. Yeah. He definitely got it right. Yeah, for sure. What made you decide that you were going to take this opportunity in Minneapolis? I said this the other day on the air, Lawrence, when, you know, a lot of people in our industry, they're always looking for the bigger, better job. They're looking for the bigger market, the bigger paycheck, whatever the case might be. And and I'll be honest, when I first started in Milwaukee, that's that was kind of what I had in mind. And then I grew to love the city, I think, as, as far as nightlife and, and restaurants and whatever you're looking for in a city entertainment wise. It's got everything that you're looking for. So I grew to love the city. I grew to love the sports fans and and their passion for their teams carried over to our show and our station. And more than anything, I I grew to to really like fall in love with the guys that I work with. And you've had some experience coming on the big show with Sparky and Gary and Leroy Butler and working with those guys. I've I've it was it was my first full time hosting job in the business. And and I really I was blessed. I was lucky to end up with those guys because I was in great hands and they really sort of lifted me up till I knew what I was doing sitting in that chair. You know what I mean? So I was, I was happy in Milwaukee and, and honestly, I wasn't looking to go anywhere, but Chicago, this is what the city I grew up in, the, the teams I grew up rooting for. So that's always sort of been the dream. I thought I'd go from Milwaukee and maybe eventually I'd come to Chicago. And I just heard about what, what they're doing at, at 1500 ESPN in Minneapolis. Now I, I can't reveal too much about the plan because sure. it's not my plan and they haven't hatched it yet. But it's always sort of been a dream of mine and something that I envisioned of taking my day job of sports talk radio and taking my, my night job of stand-up comedy and kind of merging the two. And what they're doing out there it gives me the opportunity to do that, and that's really what they're looking for me to do there. They're sort of bringing me in for the comedic, for the creative, for, for the entertainment value as much as they're bringing me in for the sports talk. So I just thought... That was that was a, a great opportunity and not something that comes along every once in a while. So I checked in on whether or not they'd be interested, and turns out they were. We went back and forth for a couple months and then got the offer a couple weeks ago. I was wondering about your comedy. That was as weird as it sounds. It was the first thing I thought of when you told me that this was a possibility. Yeah, what's going to happen with? your stand-up because you had you had made a name for yourself in Milwaukee. So what happens in, in Minneapolis? Is it like starting over? Or? Kind of. You, you got to make a name for yourself all over again on, on a whole new comedy scene. The, 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 the advantage that I have going into there that I didn't have when I started in Milwaukee was I have seven years up at the mic now of material I've been working and, and, and all that stage time and, and everything that comes with, with that experience. So I feel like I have a leg up going into the Minneapolis comedy scene that I didn't have when I started in the Milwaukee scene. But from everything I hear, and I've already been put in touch through some some uh, familiar acquaintances from, from the Milwaukee comedy scene, people who are familiar with Minneapolis, with some of the people up in, up, up in Minneapolis in that comedy scene, and it seems like a, a great scene, man. They have four or five comedy clubs, two, three open mics every night. So it's just a matter of getting up there and hitting the open mics, letting people know who I am and, and what I do, getting to know people and just getting your face out there. And then eventually, you know, you break through. You start booking some shows and hopefully get into some of those clubs. Was Milwaukee your first 
like, like what you would consider full-time on-air job? Where were you before that? Well, no, it was my first full-time on-air job. I got an internship out of college at a tiny little, I wouldn't even call it a cluster of stations. There was two stations in Racine, Wisconsin. Um, of It was WRJN, a news talk station, and WEZY, an easy listening station. I was just a board op, pushing buttons, announcing school closings when there was heavy snowfall. <laughs> and, then I, and then I heard about the, the startup station in Milwaukee, and I was like, startup station? That might be a good opportunity to, to get a foot in the door in the industry. And, and it was. And I started off there kind of doing the same thing. I was a board op for public affairs in the wee hours of the weekend mornings and just sort of climbed the ladder over the course of the, the 13 years to the afternoon show. Was there ever a moment where you were like, oh, it's not going to happen? Yes. Yeah, there was. Take um, me there. What was going on? I was the producer of our Brewers postgame show and uh, working with Tim Allen and Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. They were the co-hosts of the show at the, of, at the time, and Tim still is the host of the postgame show. And I, I loved working on that show, Lawrence. I think I've heard you say this before. might have been somebody else at the score. Post-game radio shows are sports talk at its most pure essence because it's just reaction. Yep. It's emotion. It's so and and growing up as as a baseball honk is my first love. Working on a post-game show when I when I declared my major, I actually said I want to watch baseball and get paid for it. That was my that was my stated goal. So Good I was goal. like, I was like, I'm kind of I'm kind of there. There's still you know plenty of room between here and the ceiling, but I'm kind of there. And uh, we had a new program director, and, you know, sometimes program directors come in, and it's not unique to our industry. They come in, and they want to put their own stamp on the station, and, and there are people that they want to move out, and there are people that, that they want to move in. And he, he wanted me out as the producer and update anchor and sort of fill-in co-host of our Brewers postgame show, and Tim and Sparky basically said, we're not doing this show without him. And I, I wasn't sure it was sort of sketchy there for a minute of whether or not he would he would bend to, to what they were saying. And I thought I might be out of a job or at, at the very least being scaled back in what I was doing at the fan. And they they sort of won that standoff and, and kept me on as the producer of the postgame show. But I I punched a hole in the wall at the radio station, Lawrence, when I when I heard that news that he was trying to push me out because I I, I busted my my ass to get there. You know what I mean? I worked really hard and I and I loved that job and I loved working with those guys. And he was trying to push me out the door and and that that really got the best of me. And I thought, you know, if, if at that stage in your career where you haven't really established yourself yet, a step back or, or being pushed out at a radio station, that can be that can be the end of it. It's not so easy to go and, and get your foot in the door at another station or, or in another market. So I thought I was really thinking, like, this could be it. This could be I might have to go and find a new line of work. And luckily they they took up for me and, and like I said, won that standoff with my boss. And eventually he moved on to, to other things. And, and coincidentally, after he moved on to other things, I sort of started to climb the ladder. Shocking. At the fan, right. <laughs> how, that, how that might happen. Yeah. What did it mean to you for those guys to go to bat for you so hard? It meant everything. It meant everything to me. That's Because that's when I knew, up, up until then, you know, they were they were mentors of mine. There was one of the first guys who sort of took me under their wing and showed me the ropes in sports talk radio. But you don't you don't know how, how loyal somebody is until you find yourself in a situation like that and 
we were talking, I don't know if the mics were on yet or not, it's all sort of blending together, but... That's the whole point. <laughs> we were just talking about how the fan has a little bit of early score in it, you know what I mean, of that, that bunker mentality and everybody in it together, and you don't know if that's necessarily the mentality the guys you're working with have until you end up in a situation like that, and they go to battle for you, and that's when I knew that not only were these guys co-workers, not only were these guys professional mentors to me but these were friends of mine these were people who were going to be loyal to me to the end and that that meant the absolute world to me and those guys are still great great friends of mine like like brothers those two guys and i work with sparky every day on the big show too yeah sparky's a good man i always like whenever i would come up there I, i always like seeing him because he 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 uh has figured out how to balance taking things seriously and not taking them seriously. <laughs> Some people might be surprised to hear you say that. It's 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 <laughs> I, I like the way that he goes about things because it's you can tell that he has done his work, like he's done his homework, like right. all that, but right. he's still a goof. And I I kind of <laughs> like that. Like like the, that that is very familiar to me that you can you can be that way, and it's a good reminder. And he's a landmine. You never know when he's gonna blow up. No, you just never know when he's gonna step. No, you never know <laughs> when when he's going to blow up. That is for sure. So, I want to I want to talk about what Milwaukee means to you. Like, what well, what does it mean? Like, as far as you're concerned, like, what's what what's what will you take away from your experience there? It's. I mean. It's it's a great city, Lawrence. Like I was saying before, it's it's everything you want in a city. When, and when you talk about NBA free agents or free agents of any kind, why would they go to Milwaukee? I think it's it's a great town. And yeah, it gets cold in the winter, but Summerfest is amazing. It's one of the greatest. It's one of the largest live concert events going on in the world. And and the people there are just. I think it's. It's a lot like Chicago when you when you talk about the people. And I I know some in Chicago and some in Milwaukee might take issue with that because there's that there's that border line, you know, the the border rivalry between Wisconsin and Illinois, but I'm telling you Lawrence, it's the same dude wearing a different hat. It's the same <laughs> it's the, You're right. It's the same dude, same beer belly, same mustache, maybe a different sausage that he's eating and a different hat. They're just genuine down-to-earth people, and maybe a little bit more polite in Milwaukee than they are in Chicago. People in Chicago are a lot, they're a little bit busier. They got somewhere to be, and there's traffic between here and there, so they might, sure. be, they might be a little edgier than folks in Wisconsin, but at, at their core, the, the people of Milwaukee are, are so, so down-to-earth, and look, they didn't have to accept me. They didn't have to welcome this kid from Chicago who went on their airwaves and, and was quite open about the fact that he was from Chicago, that he was a Bears fan, that he was a Cubs fan, that he was a Bulls fan, and was here to talk about sports with you, even though I root for your rivals. And they they didn't have to accept me, and some people still haven't to this day, and that's fine. But the other day when I made the announcement on the air that I was leaving Milwaukee, I got a bunch of tweets from people saying, hey, man, I didn't, I didn't like you at the beginning. I didn't want to like you because of the Chicago thing, but you changed my mind. You turned me around, and and I thanked each and every one of them for giving me the opportunity to do that, for being open-minded enough to give me the chance to win them over. You know what I mean? Because I understand that hesitance. You want your you want fans of your teams talking about your teams. I understand it, but the fact that they were they were open-minded enough and and opened up their their hearts to to this kid from Chicago to come in and and have. 13 years on 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 one of their sports talk radio stations seven as the host of their afternoon drive show with with three awesome dudes i mean can't ask for much more than that which fandom of yours is heavier cubs fandom or bears fandom? cubs 
Okay. 100%. So I just our, met with your boss, Mitch Rosen, a minute ago. Yeah. And he gave me a copy of Pat Hughes' Game 7 scorecard. How dope is that? That's so – I'm framing this. Of course you I'm, are, I'm, as this you is, should. This will be the first thing I hang on my wall in my new place in Minneapolis. I was I was touched by this. And, and baseball was my first love. I, I played the sport from age 5 to age 20. Um, some of my earliest memories are literally sitting on the floor of our living room on our little apartment over on Campbell Street, right by Clinton Elementary School, and just watching the Cubs, watching Ryan Sandberg, watching Andre Dawson. And that, it's, it's baseball and the Cubs specifically is, is my passion more than anything. The Bears are a close second, but more than anything. So what have the last couple of years been like as the Brewers have been on the rise and the, the Cubs have won the World Series and you have to do a talk show in Milwaukee as a Cub fan. And I host our I hosted our our Brewers pregame show uh, down up up there in Milwaukee. So it's like I said, there there were people, and there are still people who didn't like that, didn't accept it. But I think they they got that I was I was going to call it like I saw it. I was I wasn't going to wasn't going to. If the Brewers are good, I'm going to tell you they're good. And if the Cubs are bad, I'm going to tell you they're bad. And I think it's great that both teams are good right now. I've enjoyed covering. That that I don't and I don't call it a rivalry because I don't consider it a rivalry. But watching that competition between those two teams, I've loved it and I've sort of taken a liking to the Brewers. You know, I've taken a liking to the Bucks. We've talked about that before. Um, and I always say, if it's not going to be us, I want it to be you. When we talk about winning the NL Central or winning the World Series, so I've enjoyed it. I've loved watching the Brewers on the come up. I think David Stearns is an amazing general manager. He stole Christian Yelich away from the Marlins. Um, but so I really I love the direction that that franchise is heading in. And I'm enjoying watching watching the rise of the Milwaukee Brewers 100%. Rami's great. I'm excited that he's going to get to work with uh, another friend of mine, Matthew Collar, who's a guest on my show a lot, who's incredible covering the Vikings. Rami's making a big move, man, and I'm really excited for him and his family. And it's a challenge. It's a, it's a real challenge to do what he's getting ready to do. Part two. Of this episode is with Laura Oakman, who has been covering football in the NFL for a long time. She's an incredible story. And she's she's from here. She grew up in Chicago. So when she was covering the Bears after they 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 clinched the NFC North, we had an opportunity to have a conversation over on the score. Along with talking football, which we did, and I, I wanted to leave that in. We also talked about what it's like to be an older woman in the business of broadcasting. And we also did some, you know, what I I describe as inside baseball type stuff about doing a different sideline reporting job on radio versus TV. It's a really interesting conversation. I think a really important one. This is me talking about all those things with Laura Oakman. I said something on Twitter, and um, I'm careful. As soon as I start a sentence with I said something on Twitter, I almost go, don't finish the sentence. But um, because I said something on the air about being a Chicago girl, and I got a lot of people who who responded to me really upset that I I brought up that I was from Chicago thinking that I had a bias. And... I, and it's it's funny to try to always explain this, but there's something about this profession, what happens in, in over 26 years of doing it. You stop being a fan. You start really rooting for good people. And so I say that saying, 
it was fun to take the perspective of being a Chicago girl, of not having a rooting interest in a team, but having a rooting interest in Soldier Field and the vibe and that place, having been there for, you know, for decades as, as a little girl and growing up, that place felt like the old days. It felt like going back to what Soldier Field felt like. And I know we've seen the Bears about four times this year, and, and Matt Nagy was really clear every time saying one of the first things he said when he got this job was, I want Soldier Field to, to feel feared again. I want people to say we don't want to play there. And it had lost that over the years. And I was very aware of that every time I did a game. of just uh, It doesn't feel like the old days when this place rocked. And it was rocking this Sunday, Lawrence. It was so it was really fun. Again, as 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 a reporter, it's always so much fun to be at every stadium when when the stadium has all this energy. But it was really neat as as a Chicagoan to be like, ah, oh, this is what it used to feel like, and how nice to have it back again. It's so funny that you bring that up because I talk about this a bit. You know, I covered the Bears on a daily basis for about ten years, and I yeah. I talk to fans all the time on my show, and I say. It's a little bit more clinical for me yeah. to watch a Bears game, even living and doing my show in Chicago, that there yeah. there is a we know how the sausage is made. And so you kind of disconnect from the fandom aspect of your life. You do. I love that you said that. And it, it's hard to explain that. And it's funny because people are like sometimes all people go, that's so sad because didn't you get into it because you're a fan? I probably love it more not having a rooting interest because you do get to enjoy the games. You get to enjoy the drama without your heart bleeding, you know, the whole time. But what's happened with me and you tell me, I probably root for people more. Again, it's different when you know these people, you cover these people, you know the wives, you know the kids, you know the parents and the families. So I'm less of a fan of teams, but I root so hard for good people. And that's why I feel like like I'm a bigger Bears fan these days. You know, I haven't been a fan in a long time, but I love what Matt Nagy is doing. I love how that building feels. I I love how much these players love each other, and that's rare. There's Every year there's one or two teams early on. You know, we're, we're so privileged with NFL on Fox. We, do, we cover 32 teams, so you go into different buildings every week, and you feel energy. And there's always a team that feels special. Philadelphia, we had, I think it was week two or week three last year. And I was like, oh, it feels really good here. And Chicago's been the same. And it's, it's not really about Sundays. It's about Fridays. That building feels so good. It feels so much more connected than I've remembered, you know, for years. For me, it's um, – I agree that it's rooting for a particular people and it's rooting for great stories. Like yeah, if, totally. if you have a, a team that has gone through some stuff or they figure some things out and then they're they're able to, like this Bears team this year has, has arrived now, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's an impressive thing. So that's usually where I find myself. But I will say, and, and I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks on my show, is I feel like Matt Nagy has brought some fun back yeah. to Bears football. W- would you agree with that? Uh, totally. And and for people who are like, well, doesn't every team have fun? They don't. There's buildings you walk into and you're like, Lord, this this doesn't feel fun. And and it's funny because so Sunday having the Bears and then Monday having the Saints, uh, we had the Saints week one, week two, and week five, I think, had them early when it was the same thing. They were all talking about how much fun they were having. And 
and Akeem Hicks told me something earlier on in the year that I, I, I've never heard in, you know, over 25 years of doing this. I was asking him to give me a story that explains how close this defense is. Like, you guys look like it. Like, it feels like it. It looks like you're having fun. And he said, we have something going on in the locker room. There's kind of a corner where they are. And he said, we watch each other. And if a guy has a really hard day, either at a game or at practice, if, you know, coach has been on him, if you put some bad stuff on film, we, we'll clean out his locker that day. Or we watch and see that he didn't eat anything because, you know, he's in his head, so we make sure we bring lunch to him. And I've never heard guys say that. I've never heard anyone talk about that. And I've been bringing that up a lot during the week to other teams and going, this is what the Bears defense is doing. And every team I've talked to, that guys have been like, oh, my God, I've never heard that. I'm going to start doing that in my locker room. And so I say that saying the Saints have the same thing going on. Like what they were telling me this past week was we don't leave the, the building until 7 o'clock at night. And anybody, you, you know, you know this from covering teams, players get out the second they can get out. That's 5 o'clock. You know, that's 530 and they're like, it was. It used to be like a couple groups here and there, and now all of a sudden you turn around and the whole team's still hanging in the locker room at 7 p.m. week 15 because they want to be together. And so New Orleans felt like that this year, and the Bears feel like that. They just are enjoying each other. And I'll say this, I was privileged to, to do a lot of – I was around the, the 99 Rams for a, a lot that year, and it was a really special team. And I always said one of my favorite things was Dick Vermeil made it okay for that team to keep saying, I love you, I love you. And I'd never been around so many guys at that point who were really comfortable saying that. It was always about how much they loved each other. And the post-game interview I did with Akeem Hicks on Sunday, it was the first thing when I asked him about how do you describe how special this team is. And he said, I've never been, I've never said I love you to so many grown men in my life. And that's what it feels like to me when you're around this team. They're having fun and they genuinely care about each other, not just defensively, but all three phases, how connected they are. And that's a rare thing. It's, it's, it's a rare building right now, and they know it and they appreciate it, which is what I love. When you talk with Akeem Hicks, and, and he's yeah. become a fan favorite in Chicago, because Khalil Mack is, is very laid back. Uh, one of my colleagues described him. He's always at about a six, like just kind of yeah. laid back. But, but Akeem it g- gets to 10. He gets yeah. to 11. So when you have the opportunity to talk to players on the field, what do you prefer? Do you want the measured, great soundbite, like introspective soundbite, or do you want the Akeem Hicks type energy when you're standing there next to him? funny because I always love like this week if it's a home game I'll get to see him on Friday and it's a little I always my preference is always talking to them off camera because it's always going to be the most natural and authentic and you really can you know gauge that barometer six to ten so I would say this I as a person I enjoy him so much on Fridays and I just want to sit and talk to him because he's so insightful and he doesn't hold stuff back and he tells great stories and he thinks about your questions, so I always enjoy it. Why he's fun on Sundays is because he's not going to give you the, the quote. There's some guys um, that just have that robotic, and, and, and I'm not even saying this is a negative thing. It's just if it's a win or a loss, you, you could ask a question, and I could tell you their answer beforehand. So, one, that's bad as a reporter. You shouldn't be asking a question you know the answer to. But I love a team because I don't know what he's going to say. Sometimes his answer is 35 seconds, and sometimes it's six seconds, 
but it's a total genuine six seconds. He, it's a real conversation. So what I appreciate is it makes you work a little bit because it's not going to be just those, I'm going to ask you two post-game questions and you're going to give me two post-game 15-second answers. And so I don't care if it's a 6 or if it's a 10 energy-wise, as long as it's real. And that's always the best. That's always the best post-game interview. And I enjoy him because I don't know what it's going to be. And so that, to me, doing this all these years, I want the guys that I'm, I have to listen because I don't know what you're going to say, so it's going to change what I'm going to ask. And sometimes that's rarer and rarer these days because everybody's coached a certain way. Um, you're not coaching Akeem Hicks to give you um, the canned answer. He's going to give you the real one, and I love that. I love that in players. I love that in people. Outside of the Bears, of the games that you've covered this year, who's the best team in the NFC? Um, because I've been around, because I've been around the Saints so much, I would say Saints and the Rams. You know, I, I Saints, I'm Saints and the Bears. I haven't done a Rams game this year, so just watching them from afar, you know, especially last week, um, and what what's happening with Jared Goff right now. I go, okay, I don't really know who they are as they're heading into the postseason, even the Saints who struggled Monday night offensively, their defense was amazing. And that makes me feel good about new Orleans because it's not just dependent on that one trick pony anymore. It's not just the offense. It's not just Drew. Um, It made me probably feel better about the Saints because they're doing it in, in all phases. But right now in terms of juice, in terms of fun, in terms of energy, I love the Bears right now. I love it. And and the offense is a question, but um, right now I, 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 I feel really good about the Bears. Now, again, that's just teams I'm covering you're asking. I'd say the Saints and I would say the Bears. I, I don't want to, to overemphasize the win on Sunday for the Bears, but as someone who, who grew up here, as, yeah. as someone who covers the NFL – didn't it feel like an an exorcising of demons with it being yeah. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Yeah, and and that's what I appreciate about Nagy so much is it, 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 that that was talked about. You know, it, it's not it's not it's not um it's not their mission statement, and they wouldn't say it if it was because they're so focused on themselves. But I love that he wants them to know the history. He doesn't want them to be tied to it, and he doesn't want him to he doesn't want it to affect the present. But they're aware of it. And so not one player on Friday or on Sunday said to me, I don't want to talk about that. You know, that's that's a different team. That was a different year. That was a different week. You know, going back to week one, usually that's what guys are going to say. This team was really, really honest and open about this means something to us. It means something to clinch at home. It means something to clinch against this team. Uh, And it means something because this division hasn't been won in a while. And, and I'll say this, one of my favorite conversations on Friday was with Eddie Jackson and um, he wanted it more than anybody and just kept talking about that week one, that, 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 you know, last second game winning touchdown that Aaron threw, Eddie very much said that was on me, you know, that I blew that game. And he's like, that this game has been circled that all I want is this I, all I want is interception, and all I want is to beat this team. I need to feel good. And so I hated that he got injured. I would have loved to have talked to him afterwards, but he was the, fir- he was the first one to say, I want this one, and I want it because of it. So that, it's that team and it's Aaron. 
And that to me it goes back to what you're you know talking about having fun. This team is just wearing everything on their sleeve. You know that there's not a whole like what should we say, how should we feel. That's I love that they're so open about it, and I love that Maggie encourages that. Um, I it just I'm going to segue, but I had such a great conversation with Mitchell Trubisky on Friday. He had a really heavy week. He talked about the week before that he said, I, I really felt like I let the team down. And you know how he talked about after the game and Nagy talked about it after, after the loss, I mean, after the win, that Mitchell had to be reminded, hey, you want, we won. So stop feeling bad. But he really wore that. It was really heavy to him. And he was really open about this was a week where he leaned on everybody. That I, 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 and, and, and like it, was, it was sounded like a big, heavy week of therapy where he said it was, you know, the two quarterbacks in the room and his three coaches in the room, including Nagy. He said every one of them kept saying to me, you do not know all the answers. Do not think that you do. And don't be afraid to lean on us right now. And for a young quarterback to be admitting that, to be saying that I struggled this week, I had a tough time with it. Even that to me was so impressive how open they are that it's just, it's all, it it all is a reflection of who their coach is. I I can't say enough about how much I enjoy Matt Nagy right now. I'm with you. I I think that the level of fun that he's brought back to Chicago football is really, really cool. How proud are you of your longevity as a sideline reporter? Ah, um, thanks for asking that. Um, it's funny because I think for so many years it was just, you know, being a woman in this business and, you know, and being in this business for a long time um, was is, was awesome, is awesome, and you're always asked about that. But now there's so many women in this business, so you kind of take that for granted, luckily, and, you know, and I'm happy about that because there's so many women. But there's not a lot of older women. There's not a lot of women who are able to age on camera, and there's getting to be more and more. So I think I'm more proud of that than anything to be able to show. Uh, I work with a lot of young women, and to be able to show them that not only can you do this, but you can do this for a long time. Because I was always told, have a plan B once you hit 30, and you know that you're not that it's not a, a kind business uh, to women who are aging, and so. More than anything, I'm proud of that just because it, it makes me so happy to show other young women um, and, and not just young women, younger, younger women and, and older women. We can do this for a long time. And hopefully the reason we're able to is because um, because of the hard work that we've done and the preparation and the work ethic and treating people well and all of those things that suddenly you look around and go, ah, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. And hopefully that's because of the foundation that you lay. It sounds like you still get that buzz, like from entering the stadium and covering games. Yeah, it, it, I, I, it's so cliche, you know, it, it, but it, I really do. I, I'm so aware of the privilege and especially going to Chicago. I haven't done a home game in a couple of years and, and haven't lived in Chicago for many years, but I never get over that. When they kick everybody off the field right before the national anthem and I'm standing there, I it. Like I always go back to that, you know, that ten-year-old little girl, and be like, "What, you know, what would she have thought if 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 she was told that everyone was getting kicked off the field and she was able to stay on?" And and it's still really neat. It's every year. It's different stories, like you said. You know, the stories are what you fall in love with, and it's different relationships. And you know, and now growing up for all these years with these coaches and with these players, I still love. I still love it as much as I did you know, 25 plus years ago, but I probably appreciate it more now. 
when you're talking to to young broadcasters, young young female broadcasters in particular, what's their biggest fear? Um, you know, depends on the age. But what I would say, what what's so hard for me is most of their fears, most of the things they go through are the same things I was going through at their age, and that kills me because every time people say, "Oh, you've come so far in this business," uh, women have. I'm always like. Not that far because it's still the same stuff I'm talking to them about, you know, you know, all these years later. But I think the young women, and, and I'll stay with the women just because that's I, I work so much with them. But I, in, in the beginning stage, it's just can I do this? Am I good enough? Can I do it? Um, and then as you get older, it's can I sustain this? You know, it's such a competitive field, and and and. And not knowing what bosses are looking for, and am I that you know? Am I, am I what they're looking for? Am I good enough? And will I get the will I get the respect that I want? Um, so I think it's I think it's a lot of stuff that women probably go through. Period. No matter what business we're in, um, I know the biggest thing is just proving you belong in a world of men. And I and I think that probably I know for me I probably didn't really feel my worth until I was forty. So I think that's that's probably a lot of young women and women just growing up in this business period of um, of being told for so many years, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, prove you know what you're talking about. You know, tell me the difference between a three, four and a four, three. And and for me, it was asking really long questions, you know, that were longer than the answers because I needed you to know I know sports. And I think that's still probably what most women go through in, in this business and in life of just. Um, trying to show their value or prove their value in a, in a business that can tell you a lot you don't have any. How much do you worry about how you look on camera? And and I don't mean like am I am I neat? Am I put together? Yeah. But like how how you because I know that I dabble in TV and now yeah. I'm I'm like terrified about you know certain <laughs> things and and I and I've been in makeup the makeup room with women and my hair is real short. So it's pretty easy to, to to put powder on my face and send me on my way where my female colleagues are dealing with all sorts of stuff when it comes to hair and makeup. So how much how much do you put into how you look on the camera and does it matter to you? Um, it used to a lot. And that was before social media. So I can tell you now it doesn't matter how good you feel about how you look or about the game that you did or about a show that you did or a feature you did, you're going to hear from people critiquing your hair or critiquing your looks, you know, all of that. And so I'd be crazy if I said, you know, that didn't, that doesn't affect you or that doesn't matter. Um, Cause of course it does. I think anyone understands that when you, you know, you want to look good in front of your friends, let alone millions of people watching. But what, what I would say is this, when I did the Monday night game, I was really beat. You know, week 15, it's a ton of travel, um, and you get tired by the end. You know, your body starts breaking down, and you don't feel so great. And so sometimes back-to-back games, you can really feel that um, because of the travel. And I was walking in with Susie Calber, and we were talking about travel and about how hard it can be. And I said to her, I'm so happy to have this conversation because as I was getting ready for this game tonight, and, and Monday nights I work for Westwood One Radio, so I don't, I don't have to put on makeup. It's great. You know, I can, I can wear whatever I want to wear. But I said to her, I was, I was getting ready, and my skin cannot be any more dehydrated from all the travel and mm. all the different time zones. And, 
and my makeup won't go on and my, you know, my moisturizer isn't going on and my hair's just, you know, it's a wreck from, you know, from five days, you know, on, uh, for the last week on the road. And I said to her, I love this age because five years ago or 10 years ago, that would have been paralyzing to feel so bad. And now you just kind of are like, oh, I'm, you know, like it's tough. My skin is dehydrated. It's a lot of travel. And I'm happy to be at this age where I know that's not what has, that's not what's the most important thing about that game. It was my preparation and it was my, you know, my, my eyes and my observations of the night and what I was bringing to the broadcast. So that's an older woman talking, you know, saying that I've finally gotten to the age where, um, that I don't define myself by my looks anymore, but that took a long time, Lawrence, to get there. And that isn't a gender thing. I, I do work with a ton of men on camera and aging men on camera, and we have the same conversation. So that's, that's a getting older thing, especially. And for the young, for the young women that I work with, it kills me because I don't know what would have happened to myself, my self worth and my confidence if I was 23 and I was doing this with social media. You know, it was you were already hard enough on yourself, but I can't imagine at that age being told how bad you are, or your hair's awful, or you're not pretty. Like that, that stuff to me would have been really hard at their age. Yeah, but I but I will tell you that men we're allowed to age on TV. Like oh, it's it's totally. totally allowed, and and we end up getting the whole distinguished thing and everything yeah. else. So, um, I, exactly, I'm I'm going yeah. through it now, where where I'm getting a little little uh, salt <laughs> in my beard, and people kind of like it. So I I understand. Well, I I'm hoping to understand better where you're coming from. Let me ask you one more inside baseball thing about broadcasting. Yeah. What's different about you on the sidelines from a Fox broadcast versus a Westwood one, a radio versus TV? Um, they're so different. It, it, it's, I love them both for different, for different reasons. But I would say with radio, you're more a part of it. You're more a part of an extension of the booth because your eyes are so important. So on TV, I'm probably, not probably, I'm giving more information to my producer in the truck or to the guys in the booth off camera, you know, during commercials. Like, hey, guys, I'm watching this, and, and I'm looking at this. But if, a, if we have a great game going, it's hard to go to your sideline reporter. And so it's got to, you know, it's, it's, you're trying to fit everything in, in, in between a snap, you know, that we have to get out before the snap. So, you know, all of a sudden you have a 20-second report but they go into hurry up, and now I have six seconds to explain what I'm seeing. And so, TV, it, it, it's much more. You know, you get you. It, it's it's you're one part of many parts, and that can be frustrating as a reporter because you feel like you're not. You know, I, I always say I report on one percent of what I know. You, you know, you're leaving everything on the field. Mm. Radio, you get to you get to empty the bucket. You know, you're really part of the broadcast. You. Your eyes are so important because there's no cameras there. And so you have to know what you're looking at. You have to know what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love that part of it. It makes you, it keeps you on your toes as a storyteller and being able to really describe what you see because you can't get lazy with a camera there. So even my injury reports, I, I, I get much more descriptive because a bloody nose is suddenly more interesting. Or even this, you know, Monday night, I was, uh, I, I, I'm with uh, Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner, and they kept talking about how Cam Newton's shoulder just looked off and Cam looked off. And so that's when I get to say I've been watching him 
this entire game. Like, I can't get any closer to him. I can tell you his gum is orange. You know, I've been staring at him that hard and can tell you he's doing this and this with his arm. And so that, to me, is the fun of radio where you get to really try to paint a picture. Laura, thanks for being so generous with your time. I really, really appreciate it. And thanks for the education on the business. I always like to share a little bit of that with, with the listener and, and occasionally with my students that, that I teach. And your galvanized mm-hmm. program is fantastic. So hopefully we get the opportunity to do this again. And I suspect that we will because I think the Bears are pretty good and I think they're going to be good for a little while. No, I think so too. I and I so enjoyed it, Lawrence. I, there's nothing better than a great conversation. I love that we I love that we talked a little football and I love that we talked a little bit of life. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I really like talking with Laura. She was dope to talk to you and get her perspective on this business. I think honestly, I, I look forward to having more conversations and like like that. And it's part of the reason why if you look back through the the list of guests through year one of House of L, you'll see that there are a lot of female broadcasters on. And we end up talking about the concept of image a lot because I I think that more people need to know that side of it. How I spend 30 seconds in a makeup room where my female colleagues end up having to come in earlier because of hair and makeup, like an hour earlier to do all that stuff. And the idea of the test, I know there's so many women that can relate to you've probably been on a date where a guy's like, you don't really like sports. Prove it. Name all nine starters for the White Sox. Like that sort of thing. But Laura is feeling it from a national level. And this idea of constantly having to prove yourself. I, I like where she's at and I really like the message that she's given. I got time to do a couple of emails here. Thanks to everyone who came out on Superhero Night, by the way, Chicago Wolves. That was awesome. We had a good time there. Thanks to Chicago Wolves. They sponsor our Bears podcast. This from Alex, who says, hey, scrolling Twitter and just had another guest idea. Shams. Oh, yeah. The basketball expert. The kid who was at Loyola and now is like a huge star. Yeah, Shams is on my list. We had a good interaction a few weeks ago. Uh, over at Stadium, he he's a sharp cookie. I mean, that, that guy has got massive star appeal. So I'm looking forward to to maybe reaching out and seeing if we can make something happen. This from Sydney. Sydney says, Lawrence, I enjoy your work on the score and love the podcast. Two thumbs up to you for letting your two students interview you. If that's not an example of paying it forward, I don't know what is. I have some suggestions for future episodes. Ryan Baker, Luke Canellis, Mike Love. Eddie and Jobo, Shea Pepler, Dean Davis. Okay. I, I've had Eddie on. I haven't talked to Jobo on the mic. Shea is on the list. I can't have Jordan and not have Shea. So I'm doing that. Ryan Baker and I have been trying to figure out a time to do it. And I want to get Luke Canellis. So everyone on your list is everyone who's on my list for 2019. But I do appreciate it. It's going to be a good year. I'm really excited about what's out there for me in 2019, and I'm excited about where this podcast can go. And And I really thank you for your support of it because it's opened my eyes to what might be possible on a bigger scale. I'll just leave it at that. What might be possible? I mean, I guess I can go into more detail. Like, It's interesting to be Lawrence Holmes' CEO of a media company. 
even though we're a really small media company. But we keeps it intimate. And it's good. Thanks to everyone who's jumped on board. Go back and listen to old episodes if you're new to the podcast. I'd love your feedback on some of the guests that we've had before. Thanks to Laura Oakman and thanks to Rami Maklu for being honest and having a great time on the pod. And again, thanks to you for your support. It really does mean something to me. I didn't know how the hell this thing was going to go. And I can't believe that we're closing in on 200,000 downloads, man. It's awesome. Go back and listen to the old interviews. I'm telling you, there are people in there. You're like, man, I wonder what this person thinks or this person thinks. or what's this person's origin story? And it's all here. So thanks again. See you after the Bears-Eagles game.